Welcome to Mahogany Moms Podcast. My name is Dr. Rochelle Whitaker, but you can call me Dr. Shell. I'm here to provide support and education on all things motherhood. Join me every other Wednesday for encouragement, inspiration, and information as we delve into health, mental and physical, education, money, and everything else that comes with this motherhood journey. I am Dr. Rochelle Whitaker, educational psychologist, mental health therapist, parent educator, I have been doing a series on motherhood. I have a private practice, Providential Counseling and Consulting, where I specialize in maternal mental health, which includes reproductive challenges, infertility, postpartum depression, and infant loss. And so I've been doing a series with different moms and their different ways that they're coming into mothering, right? So um, I did an interview with uh, a mom who became a mother unconventionally, right? So she became a mom after taking on her siblings. And then we've talked to a mom of a child with um, a disability. And we've talked to a mom who has multiples. So today we're talking to attorney Harlan Lampkin. She is a mom of two, but we're talking to her about this second phase of motherhood as her daughter has graduated from high school and is moving into college. All right. I am here, believe it or not. Yes. Awesome. So I've already kind of introduced you as attorney Harlan Lampkin, and I told them that you are a mom of a high school graduate. Yes. So, um, but you tell us about yourself and your path to motherhood. Okay. Very good. One, thank you and appreciate you taking the time to include me in this process. Uh, let's see my path to motherhood. I became a mother at the tender age of 25, (laughs) Uh, um, and my introduction to motherhood was a beautiful, unexpected surprise, and we didn't know we were ready to bring a child into the world, but apparently God knew, and so it's been a colorful blessing ever since, and (laughs) so she's been the center of my, oh my goodness, that are my joy in my universe. And, and then later, of course, added another little one who is also the center of my joy in the universe. Okay, so tell us, uh, so that's your path to motherhood. Tell us a little bit about yourself. Not a problem. So um, as Ms. Whitaker said, I'm attorney Harlan Lampkin. I am a graduate of the most wonderful Howard University in Washington, D.C. Woo! Go Bison! <laughs> and after that, I uh, went uh, to law school. Also spent years in education and years in law as well. And now have a practice, a state planning practice. And the mother of an 18-year-old daughter who is a, a freshman, who will be a freshman in a couple of weeks, freshman in college. That still blows my mind. Additionally, I am the mother of a beautiful four-year-old boy who will be five next month. So I also have this crazy huge gap between the ages of my children. I always say, hey, welcome to my crazy life. But, and so, of course, as I said, it's always colorful, but it's, it's been a joy and a busy experience every day for the last 18 years. Yes, because you were almost done and then you started all over. I started all over again. And people are like, oh my goodness, what were you thinking? I don't know. (laughs) I don't know. But so, you know, I I will say, and this may be getting into some of the things, some of the questions you have going forward, but about the huge gap, it is crazy and slightly ridiculous, but it's beautiful. (laughs) But what it has allowed is both of my children, each of my children to have 
a tremendous amount of my time and my attention in their growing up. My daughter had me, you know, almost completely, and especially in her early and more formative years. And now my son is largely going to have, you know, that same opportunity. So that's a bit of it. There's some drawbacks that come with it too, but that's definitely, you know, the benefit, one of the big benefits of the crazy gap between my two babies. Okay, that's one way. That's that's a good way to look at it. Yes, yes. <laughs> you have to find all the good ways to look at everything that happens in motherhood. <laughs> okay, so we know that motherhood has highs and lows, right? Yes, definitely. So talk to us about some of the lows and then some of the highs, or some of the highs and then some of the lows. I will start with some of the highs. One of the things, and this is a high that every mother you know experiences, but I remember when my daughter was, she was about three, and I was driving her to daycare or pre-K or was going to work or whatever. But it was one of those days being a busy parent. And she just told me, she said, mommy, you're the best mommy in the whole wide world. And it's a simple statement that kids make, but it was the first time she ever said it. And it was with the sincerity that only, you know, a child has. And I just remember thinking that day, and I'm trying not to get emotional, <laughs> but I remember thinking that day, there is, you know, you can tell me I'm a bad employee. You can tell me I'm a bad friend. You can tell me I'm a bad person, you know, whatever. It was not going to matter that day because my little girl told me I was the best mommy in the whole wide world. But uh, that was, you know, one of those very reaffirming moments and reaffirming your purpose. Just because, like I say, it was the first time, you know, mm-hmm. kid, we know kids are biased and all that, of course, but her heart was you know, you're the best mommy in the whole wide world. And so that meant the world to me. So that's a small thing, but it was huge for me. And it's still something that I, you know, carry deeply. And similarly with my, you know, my son now, you know, years later, when I hear him say, mommy, it's still, you know, just really touches my heart. And when he says, I love you, like his level of sincerity, like, like, mommy, I love you. Like He's just like really feeling it. And so that like I said, it reinforces your purpose and why you do what you do and why you make the sacrifices that you make. And those are still, for me, as simple as they are, some of the most major highs in what I do. Just that reaffirmation that um, I'm having a positive and instrumental effect on someone's life and that there is that positivity in their world. That if I'm bringing some level of joy, positivity, comfort, and support to their world, then okay, I'm on the right track. And so that means a lot to me in terms of highs. That's good. So let's talk about some lows. Um, Some of the lows, I think one of the lows, as I said, I have this huge gap between my two children. One of the lows, definitely my oldest child um, had to experience divorce because I remarried and, and my second child came from my remarriage, which is one of the reasons or explanations for the crazy gap. But one of those was definitely the divorce, taking my child through a divorce. You know, it was something that was necessary, but it's just hard. And uh, having to have your child, and she wasn't because she was very young. I don't think she was immediately just affected by it. She knew there was, you know, the general, you know, absence of daddy, not the frequency of daddy that was there before, but I don't think she was still very hugely immediately impacted by it because she was very young. Mm-hmm. But just over the years and, you know, hearing at some point her when she was younger, you know, defining herself as, you know, a child of divorce, like that was part of how she introduced herself almost. And so that took some 
adjusting for me and for her, you know, to help her know that wasn't part of her definition. That was definitely part of her story. And it matters and significant and is impactful. But, you know, guiding her through and helping her to understand that's not who she was. That's not who she is. But that's just, like I say, a piece of her beautiful, you know, long, colorful story. And so, I mean, she's, you know, much, you know, I think she's in a much better place now. But it's just that was definitely as a parent, that's a gut-wrenching thing to know that you are subjecting your child to that. And it just takes that much more intentional work and effort and making sure you, you know, engage whatever resources need to be so that your child is as whole and healthy. And um, so that was one of the lows. That was one of definitely one of the major lows. But, but I do think, you know, through faith and through support and effort that, you know, things balance themselves out or find a healthy balance. We'll be right back with more of today's episode of the Mahogany Moms Podcast. Are you a mom feeling overwhelmed, stressed by your day-to-day task? We have just the thing. Burps, Fibs, and Breakdowns is a journal with filling prompts, checklists to make sure mom is taking care of herself, and tips sprinkled throughout from other mom. This is the perfect journal for moms of one or moms of many. To order our journal today, Go to MahoneyMomsPodcast.com or click on the link in the show notes. Now let's dive back into the show. A lot of times you don't hear so much from the child's perspective as how divorce impacts them. Like we know that divorce impacts kids, but you said, you know, she was young, but it still had an effect maybe that you saw later on. And I think it's important because sometimes we think, oh, you know, they don't remember, they don't know, but they live in a world where they're, you know, some, they have friends or they're around right. other kids that have two parent households, or even the fact that, that your, your dad is just your other parent, because it could be either way, it's just not around as much. It does have, have some impact in the fact that that was the way she defined herself at some point, I think is, is case in point. And I also think that it's good that you say you have to be intentional to not let that be how she continued to define herself. Right. So, Definitely. Definitely. Appreciate that. But so, so, yes, it's definitely a process. I mean, as is everything in motherhood, but that is a process. Um, and I think just piggybacking on one of the things that you focus on, the idea of intentionality, one of the things I found above all in motherhood in general, regardless of the situation, the dynamic, is just the intentionality in parenting. There's going to be things that happen, happenstance, because that's just life. But making a concerted effort to do the things that yield the hopeful outcome that we have in mind and not just, you know, believing, oh, everything's just fine or, you know, everything will be okay. Yes, everything will be okay, you know, with faith and intentional effort, is, you know, is my belief. Okay. What is it that you wish that someone had told you about motherhood or that you would tell a, a woman that's entering into motherhood? What's something that you wish you would have known? Okay, that's a good question. I think one of the things that caught me off guard, fortunately, at least in my first child, she was a very mild-mannered baby. She was a very good baby. She was a relatively, you know, mild-mannered young child or what have you, and she's been, a, you know, a good child her whole life. But 
So mothering initially, as far as the care aspect, surprised me. Not that they were simple. They weren't simple at all. But I was surprised at how intuitive for me caring for her was. But I was so, I knew I always wanted to be a mother. Like I say, it was an unexpected surprise when it happened initially. But so a lot of things were more intuitive than I ever expected them to be. What did, however, catch me quite off guard, and I don't know why, I don't know, but I don't think I was aware of, or it caught me off guard anyway, how much attention my young child demanded of me specifically, you know, caring for, you know, baby caring for and all that, you know, you expect all that. But moving into those, not baby years, but moving into those, even those young elementary, I mean, definitely as a toddler and a preschooler, but you expect a little more of that. But moving into the, you know, those young elementary school years and just how much mommy was the person whose attention she wanted constantly to play with, to do things with. Now, again, that may be because of the dynamic, you know, at that point, like I said, we, I was divorced. And so it was mommy who was there, you know, the majority of the time and didn't have any other she didn't have any other siblings at home. So it was, you know, mommy, 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 mommy. And so I definitely, like I said, my gap is crazy and I love it. But as I said, there are benefits and drawbacks. One of the drawbacks I think definitely was there wasn't that sibling, a drawback for me, I don't know, for her, but drawback (laughs) for me, there was not that sibling to split her time with, go play with your brother, go play with your sister. You all entertain one another. No, mommy, 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 play cards, mommy do this, mommy that. Okay. (laughs) So I will say, be aware of, you know, we know it's time demanding in terms of caring for their needs, mm-hmm. but understanding that your attention is one of those needs. And that can be very, you know, demanding as well. I think it's interesting that you say that because I have a friend that she just has one child. And so she's like, um, her daughter's always like wanting other kids around or like wanting like attention or she's just like, I'm bored. I want to do this or I want to do that. And she's just like, what? Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Like we can only do so many things, but she's always looking for either she wants her to play with her or she wants her, her, her husband to play with her. Or like, she's like, send me somewhere where there's some other kids. Like she just, she just needs some other people. Yes. Yes. Needs that stimulation of my child. She was, you know, definitely she'd go, you know, play with friends and those kinds of things. But, you know, hey, if they weren't around, she wasn't phased. It was mommy. I got mommy right here. We're going to, what we going to do, mommy? We're going to, like, okay. <laughs> <laughs> so I would definitely say, you know, that was something I wish I had a, you know, a little greater conceptualization of. And then the idea of, I think still what I would tell new mothers or tell a mother in general something, I think the idea that motherhood is, Oftentimes, and I'm sure most mothers would agree, it's a one-way street and you have to accept that and be okay with that. You know, you're wanting some, if you're expecting some, you know, emotional return, especially as your children get older. Like I say, you know, when, you know, your babies are younger, oh, I love you, mommy. You're the best mommy in the world. You know, all that good stuff. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And smaller children are definitely, you know, more likely to emote those things. But as your children get older and just in general, realizing that, Motherhood is often a one-way street. You are giving, you are giving, you are investing, and there are tremendous returns. But expecting those, waiting for those, depending on those will, 
I think get your feelings hurt or will leave you in a state of feeling some level of dissatisfaction if you think that's what's supposed to happen or supposed to be. It is oftentimes, you know, a one-way street. You are investing. You are. I feel like it's my job for my children to position them. And so I'm always positioning them towards, you know, wholeness and success and those types of things. And there's not always an immediate return on that. There's not always that, oh, mom, I'm so grateful that you made me do this, you know, this project, this assignment, this, you know, this development type activity or whatever. No. And so understanding that, I think sometimes in life we have to be clear about our purpose and content enough in our purpose to understand that there may not be that immediate gratification and that's okay because we're clear about our purpose and motherhood is you know in my mind one of the single most important purposes in life and so Mm -hmm. understanding that you know you make those deposits you make those investments and you know even you know even when they're small when you're doing things for them and you know they're throwing up on you and all these kinds of things it's just you know part of the investment and so it's about you doing and giving because that's you know your god-given purpose and understanding again that there's not always that immediate gratification or reciprocation or appreciation but you know you do what you do because you know it's what you're supposed to do something that's come up continuously with the other moms that i've talked to so because as a mom, you're constantly pouring out and pouring into your kids. What do you do to pour back into yourself? I think that's a very good question because just like I said, it is this one-way street and that can realistically be exhausting. Mm-hmm. And so um, emotionally, physically, spiritually, so on and so forth. And so I definitely think you have to figure out ways to one, find me time, you know, whatever that may be. You have to be willing to take some time out for yourself. And it's hard. It's very hard. It's, it was tremendously hard. I mean, of course, I'm remarried now, but it was tremendously hard as a single parent. I mean, it's hard as, as a married parent, but you know, but you have to find time to you know take time for yourself. And I think little things too, like figuring out what little things make you happy and being able to do those, you know, sure. I would love to be able to, you know, go vacation on some island or what have you. Hey, you know, maybe I can't do that, but is going to some, I don't know, restaurant that has a beach vibe or beach theme, you know, if I could do that, you know, that'll make me happy. Or, you know, you know, I'd love to maybe, you know, be at a girl's night out sometime, you know, sometimes it happens, but a lot of times it doesn't. But, you know, hey, well, maybe I need to create a girl's night in, you know, at my spot you know, once the baby's gone to sleep or those kinds of things, but figuring out how to create those moments, opportunities, experiences that allow you to, you know, still be you and enjoy, you know, life. And then also, I think having a purpose and a passion that you pursue outside of motherhood, whatever that may be, it may be your profession, it may be a hobby, whatever, but having that and not thinking I'm not supposed to have something because you can go crazy otherwise. Right. So there are two key things that you said that I want to reiterate. One of them is 
a lot of times when we talk about, you know, taking care of ourselves and how moms can take care of themselves, they always think outward, like, well, I'm limited because I don't have a babysitter or I'm limited because I don't have that much support. But like you said, you can have a girl's night in, wait till the baby goes to sleep, call some of your girlfriends over and say, hey, come hang out with me in my house. We can watch movies. We can, you know, uh, pop, over, pop open a bottle of wine. Right. Um, you know, we can just sit and chill so that you are still able to do some of the things that you weren't able to. We are only limited by the things that we limit ourselves to. Very much so. Um, yeah. The other thing that you said that I think is good is that oftentimes women think that when they become moms, that that's just it. They they stop dreaming. And you said, you know, continue to pursue your passion, whatever that is, whether it's work or a hobby or something else, because you are still a person outside of um, being a mom that's that's a role that you have but that's not all that you are and so i think that that's really important i'm glad that you made that statement like continue to pursue your dreams right that makes you a better mom yes yes okay so let's talk about what it's like to be to move into this phase of you know you've been caring and and putting in all of this time and attention into this child and she has graduated what is that what is that transition like um i wish i had an answer for you (laughs) it is a work in process is what it is there are um it's heart-wrenching and gut-wrenching at times because it's like you know it's my baby no matter what that's my baby i told her when she's you know, 84 years old, she'll still be my baby. But, um, and now she's transitioning into this new phase of life. And you have to trust and have faith that the foundation you've instilled, the positioning that you've been able to do thus far, that it is deeply rooted and that, you know, they will be able to stand and persist on those roots. It's, you know, it's a very, it's, it's an exciting time. You're excited and it's also a scary time. And one of the things I find as a consistent theme with my child, my oldest child now, um, talking about you know graduating and, and being a teenager and now moving into young adulthood, is the need to um, create this balance. And like I say, this has been probably since early, early teen, you know, maybe going from that 12 to 13 or what have you, and definitely, definitely very much so now. But creating the balance between uh, mothering or parenting mm-hmm. and um, preserving the relationship. Because like I say, you know, when my babies are three and four and mommy's all good and, um, you know, you scold your child. It blows my mind that God designed us this way. But you scold a child and they'll come running to you to be comforted from that scolding. Mm-hmm. And it shows how powerful the parent, how powerful parenting it is and how much of a responsibility we have because the same person that we scold wants, you know, that can be an abusive situation if we're not careful, you know, realizing the same person that we scold wants to come to us to, you know, uh, for comfort. But, you know, as they get older, of course, that's less true. Okay, you scold me, you discipline me, you punish me. I I don't have time for you right now, you know. (laughs) And so, you know, they're that, you know, more aware of themselves and that kind of thing. But so as they get older and move into like I say, being teenagers and being young adulthood, it's more work to preserve the relationship. And I think just like we talked a few minutes ago about the intentionality of parenting, one of the intentional pieces has to be, I'm going to, you know, of course, I'm going to discipline you. I'm going to make sure you have the structure that you need. I'm going to make sure, you know, all those things, I mean, you know, you have the love you need, 
But there's this other side as they get older. And like I say, definitely very present here as my child is 18 and about to go into her own adult experience is preserving the relationship, is realizing I can't just, or it's still parenting, but realizing that parenting has a heavier component of preserving the relationship and more intentional effort that's required to preserve the relationship than it did when my child was four and I was great grand, you know? And so I think that's one of the things striking that balance and and preserving the relationship as more than just, you know, the disciplinary and the structure giver and the rules maker and so on and so forth, because I know she is going to need me to continue to help guide her. And I can't do it the way of, because I told you so. So I have to preserve the relationship so I can continue to be the influence um, and support that she needs. And if I weigh or lay too heavily on my more traditional role as a parent, I'm going to miss the opportunity to still be a real parent for her as she goes into these new adult situations or even those teenager situations that she went through. So that's one of the very interesting challenges, you know, striking that balance as you get into that, you know, older child and young adult child. I talk to a lot of, you know, like adults and they are like, I don't have our relationship, my, my relationship with my mom didn't morph into a friendship. It's still that it's still, even as an adult, it's still that mother child relationship. So the fluidity and the, you know, like, Oh, I can go hang out with my mom. It's not there because mom is still mom. And that's the, the, the limited capacity that, that she's allowed herself mm-hmm. to be in. It didn't morph into this relationship beyond motherhood, like a friendship. It's still, you know, limited. And I think that oftentimes moms don't think about that. Think about, you know, at 18, even still at 18, you're like, okay, well, you need to do this, 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 and this. Not allowing, you know, not freeing, giving your child maybe some freedom to mm-hmm. make decisions. Um, mm-hmm. and thinking about, okay, what do I want this to look like? What do I want this dynamic to look like as they yeah. age grow? Because yeah. that whole do what I say. I mean, that changes, right? So I think that's really good. You really have to be intentional and you really have to start thinking about it probably sooner than a lot of moms would like to. Yeah, I think so. I think it's definitely true. You know, as you know, as we've kind of been a consistent theme here, you know, realizing that intention that motherhood parenting is very heavily, you know, involves intentional efforts and and knowing, like you said, I like the way you said it, you know, thinking about what I want this dynamic to look like as we move forward. And, you know, again, for me, it's about, you know, as I said, positioning her, positioning him, you know, for wholeness and success. But realizing part of that wholeness is being able to have a good relationship with me, you know, forever. And so that's part of the wholeness that I have to position. And so, again, it takes some of that work and effort, you know, that is tiring as a mom, but is the investment that we make. So I thank you for um, sharing with us. I I believe that other moms that listen to this, other moms, dads, whoever, um, will gain some newfound wisdom or knowledge from this, or at least that's my hope and my prayer. Is there anything else that you want to tell us? And yeah, is there anything else that you want to share? I can't think of anything in particular, but one of the things I do want to emphasize for me personally, and it's different for every everyone, but just the role of faith in parenting in terms of maintaining my sanity, <laughs> in terms of being able to 
let my child grow and develop and go into the world and now move hours away to go to college, you know, those types of things. So much of that is rooted in, you know, my faith. And I think that's an important piece of parenting, you know, whatever your spiritual belief or, you know, religious belief or what have you, but understanding that parenting involves and requires, like I say, for sanity purposes, you know, some level of faith. And I think it's also empowered my child to know that she can go into the world with not only, you know, her mother and her family support and backing, but also, you know, the backing of, you know, uh, of God, you know, that that's been instilled in her. But I just think it's really an important component that we rely on and lean on because it's something that our children need, but it's something that we need. Because, you know, like we're saying, like I said earlier, it is that one way street sometimes. And you've got to be able to be able to be refueled. And it is that hanging with your girlfriends and doing those things that we talked about, but also having a spiritual foundation that you can tap into and trust. And And the last thing I've always said, you know, if I thought that the health, welfare, protection, safety, all of that for my children, who I love with every bit of my being was 100% in my control, I would be completely overwhelmed and crazy. I thank God that I have a sense of, yes, I have a huge role. I have a huge purpose and a huge function in their lives, but God is undergirding everything that I do. And so I I don't have to be completely crazy every time she goes out and drives or, you know, whatever, you know, in this crazy world, because as much as I love her and as much as I love him, God loves them even more. And that's something that I have to lean on and rely on daily. That's good. I I tell myself all the time that my relationship with my kids is a direct reflection of my relationship with God, right? And so sometimes when my kids are doing the most, I stop Mm -hmm. and I think, oh my gosh, God probably says, you you do this very (laughs) same thing. It just looks different, right? Because you're not three. You know, you're not But you do this very same thing. And so it's really a good reflector for me sometimes to just when I stop and think about it, I'm like, OK, let's let's kind of regroup. So, yeah, I right, right. brought the spiritual aspect into the um, conversation. So what you did not share was that you specialize in estate planning, right? Yes, I definitely do. So um, as I briefly said, I'm an estate planning attorney. And what I do largely is help families and small businesses put plans in place to ensure they're able to create the legacies that they desire. And so it gives me the opportunity to continue to work with other families and help, you know, other people have in place what they need and to be us kind of a support and um, educator still, but in a different way for families and small businesses. So yes, that is what I do. And so how can, if some mom wanted to reach out to you, she had more questions about, you know, this role, this transition of motherhood that you find yourself in, or she was like estate planning, hey, I need that. How do they reach you? How can they reach you? Very, very good. One, I can be reached uh, via email. And that's probably the best way to reach me. Harlan at LampkinLawOffice.com. First name is Harlan, H-A-R-L-A-N at Lampkin, L-A-M as in Mary, P as in Patrick, K-I-N as in Nancy, lawoffice.com. And happy to share, you know, with 
anyone insights with regards to motherhood, parenting, or also certainly how to make sure you have those important estate planning pieces in place for your children and for your family, whether they're small. And I, lots of, I, I talk to lots of families and I speak to lots of parent groups and these types of things. And so many people are unaware of the importance of estate planning. When I have young children, oh, you know, I'm in my 30s, I'm in my 40s. You know, what am I needing to consider estate planning for? That's something we do when we're in our senior years. But I do encourage everyone to make themselves aware of the importance of, do I have things in place if something were to happen to me, if something were to happen to me and or my significant other? Do I have things in place to make sure they're guardian's name for my young children? Do I have things in place to make sure there are people who are able to provide medical care that's written and signed, you know, those types of things. So it's very important for all of us, those of us, whether we're dealing with the four-year-olds or we're dealing with the 18-year-olds, you know, the important pieces for us to consider. So it's also, that's also an important piece of parenting, I strongly believe. Well, thank you so much for um, coming on and talking to moms about transition from childhood to adulthood, really. Yes, oh my goodness. (laughs) And I'm still figuring it out. I'll keep you posted. (laughs) Thank you so much. All right. Have a blessed good day as well. And thank you for taking the time. That's it for today's episode. Thank you so much for listening to the Mahogany Moms podcast with me. If you like the podcast, please show your support by sharing it and leaving a review. If you'd like to learn more about us, go to mahoganymomspodcast.com. Until next time.